field by Chris Fielder. And he might get in. Touchdown. Yeah, I thought it might be appropriate to uh, go back to the old open. Don't get excited. Mr. Spielman's not here. It's just me. But this is kind of a restart of what began as the Spielman and Hooley podcast and uh, morphed into the We Tackle Life podcast. And now, uh, with Mr. Spielman still with the Detroit Lions, uh, has been the We Tackle Life podcast uh, until I stopped doing it for a while. In the middle of the Ohio State football season, I got really, really busy, and I will be uh, excited to tell you why I got really, really busy. But I'm going to try to do this podcast uh, regularly from here on out, and I hope that I can um, well, recapture the audience that I used to have because uh, I really appreciated it. And I realized that this is an avenue for me to, sure, talk about sports and some other things, but really if I have, uh, you know, multiple hundreds of people, like you know, eight, 900 people listening to the podcast, uh, which was not uncommon um, during the post-Spielman era of the podcast, then that's like a really huge church. I don't go to a church that big, and I know not everybody listens to the faith portion of the podcast, but hey, if half of you do, if a third of you do, if one of you does, uh, that's worth it to me. Because uh, I'm really, really excited about the future from an evangelical perspective. Um, the past few months have been a period of time where I've realized um, maybe more things about the immediacy in terms of the importance of my job sharing the gospel and growing the faith uh, the authentic faith in Jesus Christ. And so if this podcast can help me do that and it takes only a couple hours out of my week, uh, I can certainly find a couple hours in my week. And so I'm going to try to do that. And um, I hope you guys will go on that journey with me. I really don't know what it'll be because, uh, honestly, I'm not as engaged in sports to the degree that I used to be when I was doing sports radio. I stayed engaged in it for the podcast for a while. And honestly, stopped doing the podcast for a while because I felt like I needed to be in my Bible. I needed to pray more. And because I got uh, another job, another additional job. Say, wait a minute, you're still on the radio at 98.9 and on 94.5 in Dayton. I am. That's true. I'm still writing for PressProsMagazine.com, so I'm engaged in a lot of high school sports. I still cover Ohio State basketball for PressProsMagazine.com. I've added Ohio State wrestling because we felt like there was an audience for wrestling and there certainly has been. Our wrestling numbers are off the chart, like way beyond anything we thought. Um, hundreds of thousands of people reading our wrestling coverage from all across the Midwest and all across the United States, really. But uh, I realize that this uh, way to engage with you is also supremely important and that it might be the only dose of faith you get. And it might be that dose that uh, coming from somebody who you've listened to uh, on the radio for sports or somebody who you've uh, thrown things at the radio while listening for sports, that it was uh, something that I needed to get back to. And I've honestly missed it. And what got me back into it, committed, uh, first of the year, I thought, oh, I'll get back into it first of the year. And things happen and you don't. Uh, the new gig that I have might sound a little strange, but it's definitely a blessing from above. I am working for a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful man a retired Columbus firefighter who owns a business in uh, Plain City, Dublin area, which sells flooring. Yeah, I know. 
Uh, that's how you prep for a career in flooring is you go to journalism school and you spend your life working in newspapers and radio. And really, uh, this came out of the blue. It happened kind of organically. I know somebody who was sort of attached to this business. And I mentioned that, uh, you know, I always liked the guy who owned it. And, you know, I wouldn't mind my wouldn't mind trying my hand at selling flooring if uh, it was something that could be a financial blessing to our family, particularly at a time where we have two girls in private school and another in, uh, uh, in a private Christian college. And a few months later, lo and behold, uh, through a set of circumstances, an opening came about. And so the name of the business is Soft Step Carpet and Flooring. And I sell and I work on a pure commission basis. And so if you need flooring, I'd love to quote you a price for flooring, carpet, uh, vinyl plank flooring that looks like wood, vinyl plank flooring that looks like tile, hardwood flooring, whatever. Uh, I'll quote it. I promise you I'll save you money. Uh, it'll be fun. I really enjoy it. I've got uh, 10, 15 jobs under my belt now, so I really know what I'm doing, and it's a lot of fun. And so go to brucehooley.com. There's a contact form on there for you to get a hold of me, and let me know if you have flooring within 60 miles of Columbus. So if you're within 60 miles of Columbus, we'll do it. We uh, don't have a bunch of wrapped vehicles and we have no middle management. We have no upper management. We are just a bunch of hardworking guys who uh, do it in, uh, one guy does it full time. Uh, the rest of us do it on our off time. And uh, we don't have like, you know, the overhead that a lot of places have. We have the exact same products. That's why we'll save you money. So there's my pitch for the flooring business. BruceHooley.com. You'll find everything you need to know there and just uh, reach out, and I'd love to help you with it. Okay, so sports-wise, and then we'll get into, I don't know. I don't I don't plan these to the letter, but I definitely have two things I want to talk about sports-wise. Number one is Ohio State basketball. Uh, extremely disappointing season, obviously. They're in the midst of an eight-game losing streak. They play Penn State at home on Thursday night. They lost to Purdue by, what was it, 27 on Sunday. They were not competitive. They have not been competitive for a while. They were not competitive against Michigan State a week ago Sunday. They were not competitive at Iowa. They were not competitive against Purdue. What do I see? I see a team that has no desire to be on the floor. I see uh, veterans who have quit on the coach. I see a coach who um, has no answers because there are no answers. Okay, We'll get to Coach Holtman in a minute. But let's talk about the players first, because anytime a team comes apart like this, and they have come apart, they were 11-3, and anytime a team comes apart like this, there have to be internal issues. I've asked about internal issues. I asked in a postgame about internal issues. I was assured there are none. Of course, they're going to say there are none. Immediately after that, they re-elected captains. So, in my entire history covering college basketball, and it's a long one, with 18 Final Fours while at the Plain Dealer and covering Ohio State while I've worked in various radio endeavors. I have never heard of Ohio State re-electing captains in the middle of the year. I have never heard of any team re-electing captains in the middle of the year. So that tells me that I was on the right track when I asked about internal issues. For a while, Bryce Sensabaugh was really playing well and getting a lot of pub, and I don't know if that precipitated jealousy from upperclassmen who were not playing well and not getting much pub. Zed Key, Justice Suing would be the two most likely candidates there. But then Bryce Sensabaugh hit a bad streak. Now, was the coach 
culpable in Bryce hitting a bad stretch? Well, you could certainly point to, you brought him off the bench at Michigan, he shot 4 of 14. Brought him off the bench against Wisconsin, he shot 1 of 8. So, easy to go to the stats and say, Chris Holtman ruined Bryce Sensiball. But let me just, and I have no inside information here, let me just pose a scenario. A few years ago, when Luther Muhammad and Dwayne Washington were at Ohio State. I remember coming to a game at Value City Arena, I think in December, and all of a sudden at the last minute, we were told that Dwayne Washington and Luther Muhammad had been suspended from that night's game. After the game, we asked why. We were told it was a violation of team rules. And it was a game they won, but it was a game they could have lost without Washington and without Muhammad. And we said to Chris Holtman, you know, you could have lost the game. And he said, I will never sacrifice the principles of my program, to win a game. Okay, easy to say when you won the game, but that that is how, what happened, and he is on the record saying that. So, folding that into the sense of ball coming off the bench against Michigan and Wisconsin, it could have been that he was trying to keep Bryce Sensiball from getting an immediate foul trouble. That could have been the reason. It could have been that he wanted Bryce Sensiball to watch, get a read on the defense, so that we came in, he'd be that much better prepared. It could be that he wanted some instant offense off the bench. Or it could have been that Bryce Sensiball was getting a little bit too big for his britches and a little bit too immersed in all the NBA talk about himself and being one of the finalists for the Julius Irving Award, which I've never heard of before, by the way. And he decided that he had to sit Bryce Sensiball down for a little bit. Could have been that. I don't know what it was. But I know that if it was to get control of Bryce Sensiball or to get him to play a little different a little less selfish, whatever. I can't blame the coach for trying it, but this is what I'll say. It has not worked. It has not worked. Because ever since Bryce Sensiball came off that Wisconsin game, when he was terrible, terrible, it looked like he wanted to foul out as fast as he could, and he did in 16 minutes. Ever since that game, what I see when I look at Bryce Sensiball out on the floor is a guy who, whenever he touches it, is looking to shoot it. Not run the offense, assuming there is an offense, which we can get to later. But I do not see Bryce Sensiball playing now the way he played early in the year. I see him dribbling behind his back, dribbling through his legs, going this way, going that way, trying to get a shot up every single time he touches it. Now, that could be the selfish reaction of a kid auditioning for the NBA, or that could be the desperate reaction of a kid who realizes that the rest of these knuckleheads on this team can't score, and if I don't score, nobody's going to score. Could be both, okay? But Sensiball's not playing well, nobody's playing well, and they have, I can't say they've quit because they got three home games coming up and they might win one, two, maybe three, who knows. But they look terrible. And so that's what I see with the basketball Buckeyes. Transfer portal, we could have a mass exodus after the season. But what you really want to know is, could we have a coaching change after the season? Is Ohio State going to fire Chris Holtman? Should Ohio State fire Chris Holtman? Now, it's interesting. As I sat down to do the podcast tonight, I was interested in getting some information from a story that I saw online today. And so I Googled the site where that story was located And up pops a story in my cookies that I wrote 
for this same entity after Chris Holtman's third year in Columbus. Okay, so halfway through what is now a six-year tenure. And let me just read you the lead. This was three years ago, the COVID year, okay? So they'd gone through March. I think they won nine of their last 11. They were playing really well. They beat Maryland. There was one service that said, oh, Ohio State's going to win the NCAA tournament. We don't know if they would or wouldn't. We don't know who would have because they didn't play it. But here's the lead after that March cancellation of the NCAA tournament. Chris Holtman declined to accept the invitation to grade his performance over his first three seasons at Ohio State, which may indicate he already knows the answer and humility dissuaded him. If not, he's going to enjoy looking at the report card. And the story goes on to point out, and I remember researching this, that of the 46 new hires in Division I college basketball prior to the 2017-18 season when Holtman was hired at Ohio State, He was one of only two coaches out of the 46 to get his team to the NCAA tournament each of the first two years. And he would have done it the third year, as would have the other coach, New Mexico State's Chris Jans. So at that point in his Ohio State tenure, Chris Holtman was overwhelmingly successful. Then I got all the way to the bottom of the story. And I read this quote, and I was like, well, that's pretty telling. Because what Chris Holtman said at the end of his third season, looking forward to the future, was this. We've had some consistency here in our start. Now, how do we continue to grow in a way that this can sustain itself and hopefully get to the next level? That's all we're consumed with right now. We're evaluating everything we can do in that regard. Well, by that stretch, getting to the next level from that point where they were after Caleb Wesson's final season at Ohio State, they have failed because they have not, in the intervening three years, gotten past the second round of the NCAA tournament. They have not won a Big Ten tournament, although they did come close. They got to the finals a couple of years ago. And... They, of course, are not going to make the NCAA tournament this year. They are going to have the first losing season at Ohio State since 2003-2004, assuming they lose one of their final four games. I cannot envision a scenario where this team, in the midst of this deplorable streak of, what is it now, 12 losses in 13 games? Is it, let's see, 13 and 14 games. Uh, I cannot envision this team winning Thursday against Penn State, Sunday against Illinois, both at home, the following Wednesday against Maryland, and then the following Saturday at East Lansing against the Spartans, who held them, if you have forgotten, to 41 points a week ago Sunday. I cannot envision that. So they are going to have a losing season. They are not going to play in the NIT. They are not going to play in the NCAA tournament. And in year six... To not have gotten to a Sweet 16 and to be coming off this kind of a year when you were 11-3 and and ahead of North Carolina with two seconds to go in the game and Carolina 94 feet away from tying the game is a fall-off-the-cliff collapse. So, what does that mean for the future of Chris Holtman? Well, I do not believe that Ohio State will fire Chris Holtman. I do not believe it. At this point in time, I would give the chances that Ohio State fires Chris Holtman 
a 10% chance of happening. But if they lose their final four games, I believe the chance they would fire him would increase to, I'm going to say, 25%. There will be enormous pressure to fire someone who at that point in time would be on a 12-game losing streak, having lost 17 of his final 18 games. The reason why I say it's only a 25% chance is because Gene Smith, the athletic director, signed Chris Holtman to a nice big fat contract extension after last season, and he has signed for five more years beyond this year at Ohio State. Now, there's some debate about what his buyout would be. His contract says that he would be owed his salary. Okay, so how are the lawyers going to interpret that? His salary, his total compensation per year? If so, if they fire him with five years left on his deal, they're going to owe him about $20 bucks. If salary is his base salary and nothing else, not his media payments, not his Nike contract, not his other stuff, then they would owe him about $5 million, which is chump change to buy out a coach. But I do not think that that is the end of the conversation. The 25% chance that I envision if Chris Holtman loses all the rest of his games, and I do think they'll win one of these next three. I don't know which one, but I, I just can't fathom they won't win any of them. Uh, I think there is a much higher chance, a much higher percentage chance at this point in time, that Chris Holtman does not stick around for the 2023-24 season next year. I believe he finds a softer landing somewhere else and grabs a job where he can kind of start over. Now, who would he take with him from here? I don't know. Maybe somebody, maybe nobody. I have no idea. Depends where he goes. I mean, if he ends up in the state of Georgia, Bruce Thornton, yeah, maybe. Uh, Do I see Bryce Sensabaugh going to the NBA? For Bryce Sensabaugh's long-term chances of being an NBA player, I sure hope not. Because Bryce Sensabaugh, leaving now, he must want to go play for the Albany Patroons because he he has G League written all over him. All over him. The only reason he would go in the first round is because he's young. It's a futures market in the NBA draft. And there will be a team that would say, oh, this kid can score. He can score all three levels. Let's go get him. Okay, somebody would. But is he as ready to go to the NBA as Malachi Branham? No. No, he is not. And Malachi was a first-round pick, and Malachi's playing really well for San Antonio. But Bryce Sensiball has the look to me of a guy who gets first-round money, ends up on a G League team, hangs around, hangs around, gets a 10-day contract, maybe scores 20 in a game, and you go, oh, he's ready. But I don't see him hanging on in the NBA. I think the chances of Bryce Sensiball being an NBA player for seven years, if he leaves after this year, is dramatically lower than if he would stay another year and learn how to play defense, learn how to play team basketball. I'm not shilling for Chris Holtman here. I really like Coach Holtman personally. My evaluation of him as coach has nothing to do with my personal affinity for him. He's very easy to work with. He, for the most part, answers questions. He doesn't always answer questions, but he's not a screamer. He's not a yeller. And in that regard, I think 
it might serve him better with the fan base to exhibit a little bit more anger, maybe? I don't know if anger is the right word. Uh, Dissatisfaction, just outright mad over this losing streak. I think the fan base wants to like Chris Holtman, and I think the fan base wants to see him succeed. And I think they would have an easier time doing that if they saw that this bothers him. Now, of course it bothers him. I'm not saying it doesn't bother him. I'm not saying he's a check casher and he could care less whether Ohio State is winning. He, it, it bothers him a lot. That's very obvious when you sit in a postgame. But I'm not sure that it comes across to people who just want to see the coach as upset as they are. Holtman has much more reason to be upset than they are, although you could say, well, he's making $4 million, so you'd trade places with him every day, and so would I. But I do think Ohio State fans would like to see something along the lines of, something that fits into Holtman's personality, like what Urban Meyer said after Clemson put it on Ohio State in the college football playoff semifinals, 31 to nothing. And you will remember, of course, after that game, Urban said, this is never happening again. And he got a couple coaches fired, and he started over, and, you know, it didn't happen again. Never won another title, but 31 to nothing never happened again. I just think people want to see that out of Holtman. I think they want to see him say, I don't know how this has happened to us, but you better believe I'm going to figure it out. Or admit a failing. Say, we totally screwed up in the transfer portal. I made a huge mistake allowing Seth Towns to come back. That scholarship I could have and should have used on a big Instead, I took three wings in a transfer portal, and we got nothing out of it. Now, maybe that's not his personality, and maybe that's lighting up players, but I think the standard on evaluating players is a lot different than it used to be. You didn't used to dare light up a player because, oh, he's a player, and he's a college kid. and I don't have any idea what these guys make in NIL, but the NIL money out there is sickening. Sickening! The Ohio State wrestling team went down to Tampa this past weekend to wrestle Cornell. Every kid who wrestled got NIL money. Every one. Which, bully for them. I'm not saying that because I'm, I got a beef with them getting. Wrestlers ought to get NIL money. Those guys do actual work. You're a basketball player. You're a football player. I mean, those guys work too, but their life is gravy. They're celebrities. One of the best wrestlers on Ohio State wrestling team can walk down the street Get a burger at McDonald's on High Street. Nobody has a clue who they are. These guys are Olympians. They should get NIL money. But I'm just saying, the standard now, like, I think you got to say, look, man, our leaders let us down this year. Um, we are, we're not a tough team. We're going to figure out how to be a tough team next year. We're going to find some tough guys in the transfer portal. We need a toughness injection. We need some leadership. You've got to show how this is going to get better next year. And it can't just be, oh, we got a better recruiting class coming in. There's always the fool's gold of believing you're a recruiting class away. Unless you got Greg Oden and Mike Conley coming in next year, you're not a year away, okay? I know Scotty Middleton's good, and Austin Parks is good, and the kid from Minnesota's good, and Devin Royal's good. I get it. But don't tell me recruiting class, okay? I will eventually write this, but I will treat you on the podcast to it first. This, 
the old, hey, we got a great recruiting class coming in. Just wait till we get the great recruiting class in. Is like a bar with a sign over the bar that says free beer tomorrow. Free beer tomorrow. Keep coming back. There'll be free beer tomorrow. There'll be better recruits next year. We'll figure it out next year. Well, we're six years in, and there's no Sweet 16s. And you can go through every year, and you can excuse every single year. You can excuse year one. Well, we weren't very good. We were lucky to win a game in a tournament. True. Second year. How in the world did we win a with Sean Woods as one of our best players? How do we win a game in the tournament that year? With no Kata Bates D up? I don't know. That was a great job. The next year, they played through Caleb Wesson. Remember, he lost like 50 pounds. He was shooting threes. And they were a really good team at the end of the year. And then COVID canceled the year. And then the fourth year, well, here they come. Dwayne Washington's a player. And they get up to number three in the polls. Then they sink down. They fire back up. They get to the Big Ten Tournament Finals. And they're a number two seed. And then crash and burn against Oral Roberts. And you can say, well, there's no excuse for that. Well, they played the game at West Lafayette. And Ohio State fans weren't allowed to go because of COVID. How stupid. They do not lose that game to Oral Roberts if Ohio State fans are packing Mackey Arena. They just don't lose that game. But if you put them in a gym that's empty and they can hear the ball bounce, then weird things can happen. And 15 seeds have beaten twos before, and 15 seeds will beat twos again. And Ohio State is not immune from that. Worst loss in school history in the NCAA tournament? Yes. Understandable? Yeah, okay. Then the next year, they lose to Villanova. Well, Villanova's a great team. You're better seed. You know, well, okay, fine. Now this year, nothing, okay? So every single year, you can look at it and say, well, that's okay. I understand that. I understand that. I understand that. But look at the big picture. Start to finish. Six years? No sweet 16s? Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Because Thad Mata built a standard here. Of doing what? Winning the Big Ten or the Big Ten tournament two out of every five years? Sometimes three out of every five years? Getting to the Sweet 16? Same? Two out of every five years? Getting to the Final Four? Like, once every five years. That's the standard. Why is that the standard? Because that's attainable. Why is that attainable? Because it's been attained. Okay? So, that's the conversation with Chris Holtman is... I don't think he's going to get fired because I don't think Gene Smith wants to admit that he screwed up. Hey, by the way, by the way, uh, President, whoever you are, replacing Christina Johnson, and not a moment too soon, I might add. Uh, by the way, I screwed up giving this guy a contract extension, and we're on the hook for a bunch more million dollars than we would be if I just let him coach into his sixth year and we fired him with one year left on his original deal. My bad. <laughs> Can you imagine Gene having that conversation with the new president? I can't. And I don't think Gene wants to pull that trigger before the new president gets here and say, uh, what a, uh, by the way, tell me Mr. Smith over in athletics. Hello, Mr. Smith. Hi, this is the new president of Ohio State. What is this $15 million paycheck I see to Chris Holtman? Oh, well, uh, hmm. sorry, I got a bad connection. Yeah, I don't think that conversation is going to go too well for Gene Smith. That's why I don't think he'll fire him. He won't push him off the cliff. But if Chris Holman wants to jump off the cliff to another job somewhere else, have at it. Although I'll say this. Do you want to be the athletic director at another school introducing Chris Holtman, who just came off a season of, what, 12 and 16 with a team that was 11 and 3? and ranked in the polls, 
and coming from a place, Ohio State, where they have every single thing you need to win. Great fan base, all the money you need, good in-state talent, in-state recruiting monopoly, league, TV money, everything you need to win is right here, okay? So, I keep saying that's the Chris Holtman conversation. That's this episode of the Chris Holtman conversation because it will continue to evolve as the season continues to evolve. Now, remember I said that I found, excuse me, that I found the Chris Holtman three-year evaluation story that I wrote while looking for another story today? Here's the story I was looking for. Rule changes proposed for college football. And it would have to do with an effort uh, in college football to make the games go faster. Make the games go faster. Before I tell you what those rule changes are, let me remind you of another endeavor that I am involved in. That endeavor is called PatriotSwitch.com slash Bruce. PatriotSwitch.com slash Bruce. What is PatriotSwitch.com? It is a way to introduce you to a private shopping club owned by a family. It's a company that makes household products and personal care products. And one other thing I'll tell you about in a minute. But they make... 450 products for the home, coffee, mouthwash, toothpaste, baby wipes, uh, laundry soap, uh, dishwashing soap, countertop cleaners, toilet bowl cleaners, vitamins, minerals, supplements, protein bars, shampoo, conditioner, on and on and on. Okay, all the stuff you buy you're not excited about, except you can be excited when you buy it from this company because they make everything out of plants and plant extracts, all natural, so no environmental damage, no toxins, no benzenes. Great for your skin. They are a wellness company. They're located in Idaho. They've been around since the mid-80s. They sell $2 billion worth of products worldwide without advertising their products and without putting any of their products in stores. Everything is direct purchase to consumer. So that is patriotswitch.com slash Bruce. They do not allow me to tell you the name of the company, but they do allow me to market it to you through patriotswitch.com slash Bruce. And in coming in April... This guy who owns the company, this guy who started the company in the 80s, also owns hundreds of thousands of acres of ranch land in Wyoming, Montana, Texas, Colorado. And he, in the past year, has built a $160 million beef processing plant on his ranch out west. And he has been, if you, made, if you had $2 billion in sales a year, too, you would have another hobby, and his hobby is cattle. And he has been building an amazing herd of cattle for 30 years. And now he's going to start butchering those Angus beef cattle and shipping the steaks, the burger, the steak strips right to you at your doorstep. So if you want to get the best steak you've ever had, USDA Choice and Prime, the steaks, everything's cheaper than Butcher Box, cheaper than Moink, cheaper than... Anything else that does it like this, where they butcher it and send it to you. And here's the great thing about the PatriotSwitch.com slash Bruce opportunity on the beef. They control it beginning to end. They know the genetics of every steer. They never give it any hormones. They never give it any, any antibiotics ever. It's raised with its mama. It's raised on grasslands out west. Okay. It's, they control it start to finish. So this is the absolute best beef you'll get anywhere. The marbling is terrific. Nothing below USDA choice and USDA prime. So 
You want to know more? PatriotSwitch.com slash Bruce. You fill in your information. I reach out to you. I introduce you to the shopping club. If you want to be a member, the annual membership fee is less than 20 bucks. And then you buy the goods every month. And if you want to buy the beef, you can buy the beef. You don't have to buy the beef, but man, can't wait for the beef. All right. PatriotSwitch.com slash Bruce. Now, what are the rule changes in college football that they want to enact to speed up the games? The games are, remember the games used to be three hours? The games now are like three and a half, four hours, right? Three and a half, four hours. High state game against Georgia, supposed to start at eight. What time did it end? Stroke of midnight. Four hour game. A lot of commercials. I get it. Halftime show, college, but the games are too long. Games are too long. Notre Dame games are four hours long. So they're trying to speed up the games. A couple of things they do will get passed and will have no genuine impact on the game. But some of them, if they get passed, and I doubt some of them will. But if they do get passed, it'll dramatically change college football. One of the changes, prohibit consecutive timeouts. You can't ice kickers anymore. Number two, if you get a defensive penalty at the end of the first quarter or the third quarter, they're not going to run an untimed down. They're just going to play it in the second quarter or the fourth quarter and time the down. Okay, so that makes almost no difference, right? The third proposal would make it so that the clock will continue to run after a first down, except in the last two minutes of the half. So now, how many teams come back, right? A lot of teams come back late because you get a first down, the clock stops. Clock stops. And then they reset the chains, and then you get up there. Not going to do that anymore. The clock's not going to stop except in the final two. Well, in the final two minutes, you'll still have the comeback, but the game will be shorter because they won't stop it every time to move the chains for a first down. They'll just let the clock run. And depending on how fast your chain gang is, that'll take some time off the clock, and that'll take some plays out of the game. Speed up the game. Here's the one that'll really change it. The fourth proposal would make it so that the game clock will continue to run after an incomplete pass... Once the ball is spotted for play. Okay, so quarterback goes back, throws it out to the flat. Guy drops it. DB blows him up. They stop the clock. They grab the ball. They throw it back to the uh, headlinesman, or they throw it back to the umpire, throw it back to the referee, spots the ball. Boom, they wind the clock. Team goes to the huddle, takes his time, comes back out, runs a play. Clock's running the whole time. The way it is now The clock stops on an incomplete pass, and it doesn't start again until you snap it. So, this, I predict, would dramatically affect the game because it would lower scoring because there wouldn't be as many possessions, there wouldn't be as many plays. The uh, average NFL game has 155 plays. By the way, these rules are in line with the way the NFL does it. So, the average NFL game has 155 plays. The average Division I college football game has 180 plays. 180 plays! So if they change these rules, they could get 25 plays out of a game. It would be like a pitcher's duel, a one nothing baseball game. It ends in two hours. These games would end like, boom! There'd be less possessions per team, and once you got behind, you would have a much harder time coming back. Now, uh, what do I think these rules would mean for Ohio State? I really don't think it'd mean much. I honestly don't. The disadvantage for Ohio State would be if they get into a playoff game, well, when they get into a playoff game, when they get into a playoff game, or when they get into a tight game, 
They are not going to have as much experience executing a comeback quickly. Like they've done, they did it in a Rose Bowl. Uh, they're not behind very much, so, you know. But would this have made a difference for Georgia and Ohio State? I'd have to go back and think through that. The whole Georgia comeback thing was made much more likely by the fact that they threw that incredibly long touchdown pass, like an 80-yard drive in two plays, which you positively cannot allow if you're Ohio State, but they did allow it. DB slipped, and you know the rest. So these rule changes, I think, would be... Um, I'd be fine with them. I'd be fine with them because I think college games are too long. And um, anything they can do to speed it up, I know I've, I've seen some people say, end the halftime show. Well, I mean, really, is that going to make a difference? End the halftime show? Like, don't let the bands go out in halftime? What are you going to make the guys play, like, first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter? No halftime. Come on. <laughs> That's not going to change anything. You might not want to watch the bands, but... That's not what's making the game long. What's making the game long is, number one, commercials. And number two, stopping the clock for all these incomplete passes and stopping the clock on first downs. That's not really necessary. And so I would be in favor of that. I think anything they can do, I know there's some things in college you want the rules to be a little bit different. I like the one-foot inbounds. I wouldn't change that on a catch. I wouldn't change the if you fall down, you can't get back up. I like that difference. But the clock stuff... Really? Like, they got to synchronize the rules somewhat. Um, I don't want to see them go to this. Uh, like, for instance, I would like to see the NFL adopt the college rule that if the ball is not catchable, it's not pass interference. I'm still a little salty, you can tell, from that Kansas City Chiefs-Eagles ending in the Super Bowl. What a horrendous call that was. Uh, and, yes, I was rooting against the Chiefs. So, of course, I think it was a horrendous call. All right, so I told you about soft step carpet and flooring. Softsteppbruce at gmail.com is my email, but you just contact me if you need flooring, carpet, hardwood, vinyl plank, vinyl tile plank. Contact me at brucehooley.com. Fill in your information. I'll call you right away. Find out what your space is. I'll come out and measure it. We'll get you all hooked up. Patriotswitch.com slash Bruce. I don't want to forget my friends at Willis Spangler Starling, my attorney of choice. Truman Boulevard in Hilliard, great people. Willisattorneys.com, willisattorneys.com. And, of course, Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. Um, HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. You get 15% off when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. All right. Now to the main event, the faith portion of the podcast. And as I said, I'm back doing this because I really feel a burden to be more evangelical, more outreach-oriented. Because I just think we are in such a terrible place as a world. Okay, If I say as a country, then you'll be like, oh, here we go, getting political. We're in a terrible place as a country, but we're in a terrible place as a world, okay? Our country is reflective of the world. And who knows what kind of war situation we're going to have. Ukraine, Russia, China is now getting involved. We're pledging our support. I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't cling tightly to this world. I don't. Now, I'm, I don't have a death wish. I don't want to see our country bombed out like, Ukraine is bombed out. I'd love to have my daughters grow up in the idyllic America that I grew up in. Do I think that's going to happen? No, I don't. I don't think it's going to happen because I think we've entered a place in our country where it is now in vogue to hate God and demonize God and bend God into the God you want him to be, which is basically somebody who looks exactly like you. We want to be, I'm talking we collectively, not you and I, because hopefully if you're listening to this faith portion of the podcast, you are committed to being an authentic follower of Christ, which means you know 
and understand the incumbency upon you to follow the Great Commission. The Great Commission, of course, is what Jesus told his disciples when he ascended to heaven, and what did he tell them? He said, first of all, he established the parameters for giving them the directions that he was going to give them. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. Do we worship that God in our country now? No, we don't. Most people in this country will give him whatever authority they're comfortable giving him, but not all authority because then you mean, oh, I got to change this? You mean I can't think that? You mean I can't advocate for this position? Like, wait a second. Like, oh, no, 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 I don't like that. Uh, My former partner, Mr. Spielman, said one time, it's one of the most brilliant things he ever said, and he said many brilliant things, but one of the most brilliant things Chris ever said is, faith in Jesus Christ is not an a la carte endeavor. An a la carte endeavor, you go out to eat, a la carte, you order everything individually, right? I'll take a steak, I'll take broccoli, I'll take mashed potatoes, I'll take a salad. You order it all individually, you pay for it all individually. Faith in Jesus Christ is not an a la carte endeavor. You don't get to pick the parts you like and leave the parts you don't like. Because that makes you God, not the Father, not the Son, not the Holy Spirit. So I do not think that we will have a world that will turn back to authentic faith in God. As much as I love hearing the stories about whatever's going on at Asbury and Kentucky and all the revival on college campuses, I will say that I am not surprised to see that because we serve a mighty God. Sorry, I got away from the Great Commission. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. You got to go. Can't just sit at home. Got to go. And the last part of the Great Commission, people think it ends after the go and make disciples. Mm -mm, There's another part. Teaching them to obey. Oh, that's such a difficult word, Bruce. Yes, but it's in there. Teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Ouch! I don't like that part. I thought the authority part was hard, Bruce. I really don't like the obey all part. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. That makes it tough, doesn't it? But not really. Not really. It really doesn't make it tough. You know what? Honestly, folks, it makes it easy. It makes it easy. Because when you know where the lines are, when you know what's allowed and what isn't, life gets very simple. You know, there's a psalm in the Bible, Psalm 119. It's the longest psalm in the Bible. It's the longest book of the Bible. It's long. And the entire theme of the psalm, 119, is how awesome God's law is. What is God's law? Well, it's the Ten Commandments. You know, all the thou shalt and all the thou shalt not, right? You know all the stuff you can't do. He's written his law on every human heart. Say, well, you know, it's written down on the stone tablets. Yeah, but he's written it on every human heart. You know you're not supposed to steal. You know it's wrong to murder. That's written on your heart. You know that. You don't have to be told that. He's built it into our DNA. Now, we've rebelled against that, and we have decided that we're going to be God, and we're going to kill this thing that's inconvenient or a result of this action or that action, or we're going to think this way, or we're going we're gonna to take whatever pieces and parts of the authority that he said he has, and he has it, whether you agree with it or not, doesn't change it. We're going to be that authority in our own life. But when you do that, the problem with doing that is 
your heart knows what God's law is, and then you are at odds with him, and that's why we have so many people in our world looking for inner peace. They're looking for inner peace. They don't have it, so where are they looking for it? Well, they're not looking to God for it, unfortunately, because that's the only place you'll find it. Trust me, I chased my tail for many years looking for it in career accomplishments and relationships and achievements and this, that, and the other, and none of them, none of them, no matter what level I achieved, provided the meaning, the peace of knowing that I didn't have to worry about being good enough because, as I've told you many times, I'm not good enough. But Jesus is and was good enough. He paid the debt for my sin by dying on the cross. He rose to new life, proving that he beat death, and you and I will too if we put our faith in him, if we trust in him 100% for our redemption from our sins, our shortcomings. And once you do that, and you believe it so completely that it motivates you to express your gratitude by obeying him because I just can't double-cross the guy who died for me on the cross. I just can't disregard his best way to live that he lays out clearly in his laws in the Bible. I just can't say, gee, thanks for the salvation, Jesus, but keep your advice about how I should live to yourself because I I think I got that figured out better. You realize how rebellious that is? That he hung on a cross with a crown of thorns and was beaten with chains and spat on by Roman soldiers, and he did all that for me and for you, and then we're going to say, but that's okay. I think I know better how to order my life than you do. I don't want to be that ungrateful. I don't want to be that rebellious. I don't want to show him that his death on my behalf meant so little that I would disregard his loving parameters for how I should live my life. Because you know what? When you live it that way, and you're going to screw up from time to time, I lose my patience. I get mad when somebody cuts me off in traffic. I am not perfect. But I have the peace of knowing I don't have to be because he was and is. And he's coming again, and every knee's going to bow, and every tongue's going to confess. Right now, it's hard to imagine that, right? But I'm going to tell you something. When however he decides to come back, rolling thunder, earthquakes, there are many different images in the Bible, I just know this. His mighty power will render anything and everything we have ever seen before. (laughs) Paltry in comparison, and there will be no doubt, no doubt that every word in his holy scriptures has come true. You know, it's a lot easier to watch an Ohio State game, for me, or a game of a team I care about if I know the final result. I watch it on delay, did they win? Did they lose? Okay, they won. Okay, great. I can watch it. I know they're going to win. Or uh, I, the, 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 the Sugar Bowl. 
Was it the Sugar Bowl? No, it was the, the Peach Bowl. I couldn't believe it. I went to bed. They're ahead two touchdowns. I went to bed. I'm like, this game's over. I get up the next day, and a buddy of mine on the way into church, I could tell by the way he was walking in, they lost the game. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. How did they lose? And he told me, and I was like, wow. Well, if I had watched that live, it had driven me nuts. When you know the outcome, enduring it, watching it, living it, is so much easier. Well, friends, I know how the game of life ends. For me, if I die before this world ends, I know how it ends. It ends with me thanking God for saving me from my sins. And if I happen to be here when he decides to come back and claim his church, then I know I'm going with him. And I'm really, really sad and broken by the certainty that many people either claim not to care that they will be cast aside or that they're under the delusion that they can order certain parts of their life how their political beliefs tell them to or their personal beliefs tell them to or they're just going to try to figure that part out. But I'm not going to submit my authority to anybody else because... I am in control of my life. Well, no, you're not. No, you're not. And that will be proven to you beyond the shadow of a doubt on the day you draw your last breath or on the day he comes back. And it used to be a failing of mine to view those who rebelled against Jesus with kind of a, "Hmm, your day's coming, brother, attitude, which was so wrong, so wrong. It is perfectly fine, in fact, it is scriptural, to hate the things that God hates. But that's not enough. That's not enough. we got to hate the things God hates for the same reason he hates those things. And the reason he hates those things is because they will separate people from him eternally. we got to care enough about the people who don't know the way, the truth, and the life. We've got to care enough about them that we do not tarry in sharing the peace that we have. In Matthew, I think it's 9, Jesus sent the disciples out for a little brief mission trip. He wanted to test them. Let's see if you knuckleheads have been paying attention while I've been raising people from the dead and healing leprosy. And Let's see if you've been paying attention. You go on out. I'm going to send you out. I'm going to give you the power to raise the dead. I'm going to power to heal people. And um, here's what you tell everybody. You tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, if you had a pastor who stood up in front of church on a Sunday morning and it was time for him to preach a message and he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Thank you. Have a great day. And he sat down. You'd be like, wow, we're getting out early today, right? (laughs) So Jesus basically didn't give his disciples, much of a message other than, hey, brother, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You roll that around in your head and you figure out where you stand because I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And I want you to be ready. Well, the message is no different today. If you're listening to this podcast, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's coming. 
He's a lot closer to coming today than he was yesterday. And he's a lot closer to coming at the end of this podcast than he was at the beginning. And no man knows the day or the hour. And do not be caught without him. Because it's so easy. So accessible. Anybody. Anybody can qualify. Nobody's disqualified. Nothing you've done is beyond his ability to forgive you. But you've got to trust in him 100%. All the years that I did not were empty years in my life. All the years that I have have been vastly superior. And these latest years, even though um, the temporal comforts in my life have been diminished over the past five years, the spiritual blessings, clarity, closeness have been <laughs> way better, way better. As a friend of mine says, when you sit down with a Bible, it has the power to change your life every single time you pick it up. It does. So that's my encouragement to you guys. Um, see if I can find some out music here. I think about oh, that's not out music. That's somebody talking. See, it's been so long since I've done this, I forget where my hotkeys are. <laughs> So I'm just going to say goodbye. And the next time I'll have my hotkeys figured out. And the next time um, we'll, cha we'll chat again. Uh, you guys are good to resume listening to the podcast. I hope you have a great day. I hope you have a great week. Uh, do, do me this. Uh, consider doing this challenge in 2023, okay? Got a little bit of a late start, but it's February. You can start this. I have, for the last five years, spent uh, my morning reading every day. I've missed a few, but not very many. Every day, one chapter of Proverbs that matches the date of the month. There are 31 chapters in Proverbs. No day, no months have more than 31 days. So uh, today's the 20th of February. Uh, today I read Proverbs 20. Tomorrow I'll read Proverbs 21. I get to March, I'll start all over again. You do that, I promise you this. You do that every day, one chapter a day. Pour that truth, that wisdom into your, pour God's perspective into your brain, into your soul, into your heart. Do that every day. See if it doesn't change your life. See if it doesn't change your life. Do it for three months. Do it for six months. You'll never stop doing it. It's a way to grow closer to him. It's a way to align your life with his. And uh, trust me, you will, uh, you will never be sorry you did it. So with that, thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your week. And I will talk to you again soon here on the We Tackle Life podcast.